Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise God. Well, we've been really privileged to have so many wonderful, I've just been so pleasantly <laughs> encouraged. So who's up tonight first? Daniel, come on. Welcome, youth group. All the youngins. Well, a lot of you guys are worshipers. I can see that you know, you're seasoned in this. You know what it means to be in the presence, what it means to rest in the presence. So I guess tonight is really just going to be you guys learning a little bit more about myself. <laughs> um, I didn't know what worship was. I, I don't know if you guys know my story at all, but I was, I was raised in the world. I, I wasn't raised around the Bible. I wasn't raised around, you know, worship. And there was a time in my life where I went to a Kingdom Hall. My mom was a Jehovah's Witness. I spent 10 years going to the Kingdom Hall. But they didn't really know what worship was either. So, Or that who Jesus really was. But in that time, the Lord would always speak to me and give me revelation of what was true about His Word. They have their own Bible. It's kind of their own twist on it to promote their agenda. Um, but he would reveal to me what was true and what wasn't true in their own Bible. So I was like, that doesn't even line up. That doesn't make sense. And I didn't realize that that was revelation from the Lord until later on when I actually read the Bible. And I was like, wow, I was right. <laughs> it, it didn't line up. There's a purpose for this. It's so amazing. But through that journey... Before I came to the Lord, I got into music, um, and music was, it was my way to fit in with a crowd of people that were less than holy. They were, they were not righteous people. I got into some really heavy music. I mean, it started off with classic rock, like my mom was into classic rock, and, oh, you got to teach me that song, mom, you got to teach me that song. And then it got into modern rock and then into this metal. And like Nico was talking about how he got into death metal, but the lyrics were all Christian. Well, I got into death metal and the lyrics were not Christian. It was not about glorifying anything but the world, but the flesh and the, the mortal body. Um, it, was, it, was, it was, I didn't realize it, but that was worship. They were worshiping things of this world. And they were, there was the enemy glorifying his agenda in that. I did, but I never thought of it as worship. I just thought of it as music. It's okay. It's like, whatever. It's not real. It's like movies. It's not real. It's just words that sound good together. But it had purpose. It had, the enemy had a purpose in it. But the enemy takes things that God creates 
for our goodness and he twists them for his own agenda. You see this in all parts of life. You see it in all these new age religions and healing practices. There is healing power, but the enemy has taken that and twisted it into something that does not glorify the Father. There's music. God created music. Everything that he created was to glorify him. So he created music so he could worship him. But the enemy's twisted that and turned it into something that steers people away from him. There's the stars in the sky, the heavens. They, they, he created that to glorify himself. So he was to show his glory, his magnificence. And the world's using this, that same magnificent thing to steer people away from God, to say, no, we don't need God. So this is the enemy is constantly twisting and turning the things that God created for good for his own agenda. So I'm into music and um, I get married to my beautiful bride, Alicia, which she looks like a tomato tonight. <laughs> Spent a little too much time in the sun today. But we get married, we're struggling, we go through some things and, um, you know, come to find out Jesus is really the only answer. So I go to church. And I go to church a couple times and the Lord's speaking to me like that sermon was written for me in that moment, in that time for what I needed. He answered every question I had, the purpose that I went to church. He answered me. It was amazing. Those first three weeks, it was like, wow. I think it was three weeks. And then Alicia came. So it was like I was leading in by worshiping in worship, I was leading my family into something more righteous. And it's a learning process, but music still had the same concept to me, like what it was. I, I still associated it with that old, that old man, that old life. So a couple years later, I've, the Lord took music from my heart. I had guitars everywhere and I had amps and all this, all this musical equipment everywhere, had it everywhere, all over the house. We packed it up and put it in a storage unit, had like, I brought a couple of guitars with me um, just to keep it home. And I never touched them for like three years. I was just, I was, I felt like almost like I wasn't allowed to touch them. Like, like it was, that, that desire was taken from my heart. And I was like, am I just never gonna play guitar again? Am I never gonna play music again? Like, what is going on? And after we came to Global River, the Lord revealed to me, he said, I took that from you because you associated with an old life and I needed you to disassociate from that old life. I needed you to take that concept of what music was and burn it. And I waited on him and he gave me a vision. He gave me a vision of a guitar. I came to the kingdom man and John says, you should, you should play some worship. I hadn't picked up a guitar in probably two and a half years when you told me that. And the Lord gave me a vision of a guitar. He says, yeah, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you worship now. 
I don't want you to go, I don't want you to play these old instruments that you had. I want you to go get this new guitar and I want you, you're only allowed to play my things that glorify me on that guitar. <laughs> me and Jim, we drove around Wilmington all day long looking for that guitar. And it was not hard to find, it was not easy to find. We went, seriously, every single music shop and we finally found it. It was a, and it was the only one in Wilmington. He gave me a vision of an Alvarez that had a dark face on it, that had like this grayish sunburst face on it. And you'd be amazed at how hard it is to find an Alvarez in Wilmington. There is none. I found the only one. And it had the black face on it with the gray starburst, or the gray sunburst on it. And uh, so that opened me up to this new idea of what worship was. I thought worship was just playing music, but that's not what worship is. And I got a couple of definitions, Jim, where there's two, there's two worships. There's a noun and there's a verb. Let's look at the noun. So you all have a little lesson here. So it's reverence offered a divine being. Offering reverence. It's a, also a form of religious practice extravagant respect or admiration for a, what's it say? Or, or devotion to an object of esteem. So it's anything you hold to high esteem, you're worshiping that. That's a worship. If you hold something your time, and that takes more time than your time with the Father, that's being held to a higher esteem. That's worship. If you put him before something else, and if you're if you're in the in the middle of your task, say, it, um, I, I used to be I used to spend a lot of time. I've done, been a lot in construction. I spent a lot of years in construction, and I would come across problems, and I would re, solutions would be revealed to me, and I used to claim the wisdom. I used to claim those those solutions. And I was, I realized now that the Father is the source of all wisdom, right? So it was really Him imparting that wisdom to me. But I claimed it as my, for my own at first. So I was holding myself at that high esteem because I had that wisdom that I was using to solve those problems. But when I realized that the, all wisdom is from the Father, now, when I had, when I when I an, an idea or a, a, a solution comes to me, it's revealed to me. Now I can praise Him for revealing that, giving me that revelation. And now, and now I'm worshiping Him in my thought process. I'm worshiping Him just just how I, how things are being revealed to me is worship. What else do we have? Uh, it's a, some British definition. It doesn't matter. Uh, what about the worship uh, verb? The verb worship. To honor or show reverence for a divine being. And here we go again. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. So it's not just singing praise. Singing praise is worship because he is what we're singing about. He is what we're glorifying. He is what we're, being, we're, we're exhorting or, or uh, extravagant, showing extravagant respect for 
in those moments. That's why praise is worship. But there are synonyms that go along with worship that you might be surprised to hear, like idolatry. Idolatry is a synonym of worship. Now, synonyms, if you want to really know what a word means, you can't just write a sentence about it. There's so much texture in what words mean in our language. There's texture to it. And you have to paint a big picture of to get the true understanding of what it means. So I always like to look at synonyms, anonyms, kind of see, you know, what, what does this really mean? And idolatry is a synonym of worship. So when you idolize something, you're worshiping it. You're giving it a high esteem. If you're idolizing money, if that's your driving force, that's worship of money. That's not worship of the Father. He's the provider. When we rely on Him for provision, that's worship. You're worshiping Him because He has the higher esteem over money. So I get all this revelation and I realize, oh, that's what really worship is. And it opens up praise to a new level because now I'm not, not, just, I'm not just singing a song. I'm positioning myself. It's, it's how, how, where's my mind at? Where's my thought process leading me? Am I focused on him? Am I sitting in, am I sitting in the, the seats thinking about what I've got to do this week? You know, cause we all have these racing thoughts. How, do, how, how are we gonna plan out this week? What have I got going on on Monday? How would, am I gonna make it home before, you know, the game's over? Um, these are racing thoughts that are, that are keeping you away from worship because you're putting those thoughts above his thoughts. So you're not, worship, you're not, being in, you're not in worship. You're standing and you're spectating praise. But you have to relinquish that to be in a position of worship. So your, thought, your thoughts, your, your, um, put you, your stance or what, what, what am I trying to say? Your, uh, how you, your posture, there you go. Your posture can be in worship because the Lord will reveal to you, like he, sometimes I'm standing there and he's like, no, I want you to kneel down. And for years, I thought that was weird. And I just, I would never do it. I'm like, no, there's no reason for me to kneel down. There's nobody else in this room kneeling down. Why should I kneel down? But, but giving him that esteem, me in that, and realizing that, that that request is from him out of love, he wants, he wants to see that from me. He wants to see that from me. So if I, if I heed what he's requesting, that's worship, kneeling down, that's worship. Or some people will get this, this vision of themselves prostrated out on the floor on the side of the sanctuary or something, you know? And it just doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. Lord, why do you want, he wants us to humble ourselves in those postures. Because in that posture, you can't do anything else but glorify Him, but worship Him. You can't sit on your knees or prostrate yourself a, 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 you know, over there on, in the corner, face down, face plant, and not be thinking of Him. So the enemy can't distract you in those moments. And he's given you a tool against that. So that's worship. Um, 
listening for the Holy Spirit in a moment where everyone is engaged and knowing to stay in that moment instead of keeping schedule, instead of moving through this time. We have to, we have 15 minutes, we gotta do this. But listening for that moment and giving him preference in that moment, that is worship. Giving him preference in that moment is worship. So what else? So you're in that moment and you're, you're playing these notes and sometimes, sometimes we're human and you know, we stumble across our words or if, I, if we're leading worship or if we're supporting in worship or something and, we're, and we, we just keep pushing through, pushing through in those moments is worship because you're putting him above yourself. You're not allowing that stumbling to stop you or hinder you, you just keep pushing through because what he's releasing is more important. So that is worship. So if you, if you're struggling with, you know, what do I, what am I watching? What am I listening to? Um, you know, what, what are these, what am I reading? These things, you can you can see the content you can hear the content that you're receiving you can you can read the words you can know is it glorifying him or is it glorifying the world or is it glorifying the flesh because whatever that is glorifying that is what it's worshiping that's what it's promoting worship of so if your music is is uh, singing about you know fast fast cars and money and fancy girls and that's that's what that music is is trying to get you to worship okay it seems harmless but what you put in is what you're going to get out it's going to affect your heart and our heart we have to guard we talked about that at kingdom men about having to guard our heart not allowing you have to hold those thoughts captive because if you don't and if you let those thoughts run rampant, they will affect your heart. And your heart is what steers your course. So guard your heart. Don't allow those thoughts or whatever you're putting into your body to affect your heart. So we start coming here to Global River. I start worshiping with Kingdom Men, and I was scared out of my mind. But I knew the Lord called me to do it, so I didn't stop. I think the first time I played a song, I probably, man, I probably botched that thing up bad. <laughs> Forgot the words, uh, played the wrong chords. Uh, it was just, it was probably a mess. And by the time I got finished with it, I was like, oh, thank goodness it's over. <laughs> Thank goodness it's over. Um, but all my brothers were so supportive. They're so supportive. And it really encouraged me. So if you can, if you see somebody who's submitting to worship, they're stepping out. They're doing something new. Be encouraging. Be edifying. Raise them up. Don't, 
look at them and say, that was weird. Why'd you do that? It's so weird. I can't believe, no. That was awesome that you stepped out and you did that. That's That's courage. You know? So you have to encourage each other in those moments to keep each other motivated to listen even more to what the Father's telling you, to step into even deeper relationship and worship. You have to encourage each other because what you're, and I'm, I'm just directing this at the youth now for some reason, I don't know why, I just started speaking mostly to you guys, but the world out there is not gonna be helpful in your walk with Christ. Your friends at school, if they're not believers, they're not gonna be helpful in your walk with Christ. They're, they're not gonna understand it. So you have, to, you have to bind together with your brothers and sisters here in youth group. You have to try to create this culture here to keep you motivated and keep you moving in the right direction to keep you in that worship atmosphere. And you have to help each other. You, you, guys, you guys are all you have to help you, keep you motivated in this walk. Is look left and right of you. That's who you got, okay? So if you're not taking care of each other, you're gonna be struggling. And uh, that's about all I got for you guys tonight, so. That's my, that's my uh, testimony into worship. I think uh, Daniel and Alicia, you've been here, is this five years now? Five years. And uh, from Alaska, five years from yesterday. And, you know, I remember that first night when uh, Daniel led worship, John Maples asked him to do that. And, and then over the time, I was just like a, a really pride, prideful papa, if that's allowed, um, well, I remember when I asked them to do some teaching. I remember the first Wednesday nights that they came, and, and then they taught out of the book of Romans. And just to watch, when that's worship. When you put yourself out there saying, man, what would Pastor Tom think I could do that for? You know, oh, my gosh. And they, I remember being scared out of my wits at times, but yet you step out. That's worship for him. So just encourage one another. We have a tremendous set of skills in this house. And a lot of it, remember I just said perfect love expels fear? Get over yourself and just go for it. Holy Spirit, I just ask for you to come. Come and fill my mouth with your words. Anoint my words, my words to pierce every heart with what you want them to receive tonight, Lord. Just pray against distraction and I just thank you for your presence and your peace and for your word. It's so amazing. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, I'm very humbled. I got 15 minutes. That's like asking a medical student to say, give us a 15-minute take on the body. So um, I'm going to do my best with the 15 minutes that I have. And I was asking the Lord, going, I only have 15 minutes. You really have to help me. What, do, what am I supposed to bring tonight? Uh, and he gave me the cost and the sacrifice of worship. Matthew 4, verse 8 through 11. 
Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Look at me. Satan was willing to give up everything he had for a moment for Jesus to worship him. A moment. He was willing to give everything up for that. That is how important worship is. And I pray that that sinks in. Worship is so important. He was willing to give up everything. Daniel took my definitions of worship. So with those in mind, <laughs> to give reverence to him. And I was doing some, some research and, and, you know, the first sign of worship in the word is actually Cain giving an offering. So then I started doing some research on the word offering and we get minka, which is to bestow a gift a tribute or sacrifice or an oblation. And an oblation means a gift on the altar during worship. So another act of worship for us, our posture, is what are we bringing to the altar as our sacrifice? What are we bringing to our worship, to the altar, for the cost of that? Because there's always a cost to worship. There's always a cost. There's always a sacrifice that we're bringing. It is either our posture. It is either our pride. It could be our cell phones. It could be our thoughts. There's always something that we are supposed to place on that altar as our offering to our king. And how could we not? How could we not? And you go to Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Jesus was the greatest worshiper that ever lived, and we are to be imitators of him. He was our, he was our example, even over David. I know we can glorify David, I think, a little too much as the ultimate worshiper, but what about our Jesus? What about our Jesus? And then verse two, walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. That's sacrifice on the altar because fire always hits the sacrifice. Fire always hits the sacrifice. That's why when you saw me with Chantal and William during the conference, me hit the ground because fire fell on me. Because I was offering myself up with everything I had and he chose in that moment to just let his fire fall. Was it embarrassing? Yes. Do I understand why he does that? No. Can our body maintain what he's doing? No. So we manifest and we look really weird sometimes, but it's because our physical body literally cannot contain what is happening within our spirit, what is happening within us, and it makes us look weird. Is it always the spirit of God? No. But who cares? Get over yourself. They need some help. We can ignore them. So 
It can be distracting. Yes, it's annoying at times because it can be distracting, but we have hair or we have hats or we just can look down and we can get back to the altar and we can get back focused on Jesus so that we don't have to be distracted by anything around us. If there are people that you sit next to that actually rob your worship because they're distracting, that's your cost. That's your sacrifice. I'm not going to sit next to my best friend because I'm going to give God these 25 minutes. He's only asking for 25 minutes or 45 minutes or oh, I'm praying for an hour. So that could be your cost. It could be your cell phone to actually not have your cell phone on. But what are you allowing the enemy to distract you with so that it's robbing him of the reverence? So it's robbing him of your worship. Because that's what he is here to do. He's here to rob God of his worship. That's why there's anybody in here or that's listening that actually thinks they're supposed to be a worship leader. Because we're all worshipers, but not everybody's called to be a worship leader. There are two different things very different things. If you think that you're called to that, he will equip you. He will prepare you and it will be the scariest, hardest thing that you're ever going to do because the warfare on the platform sucks. And you're going to die, die, die and go through so much deliverance in front of everyone. And you must live a completely sacrificial life so that you do not defile this altar. You must have clean hands and a pure heart. If you are desiring the platform because you think it's going to elevate you in some way, you're in for a world of hurt and it's going to take you down. Because <laughs> when you put yourself in that position of exposure, everything gets highlighted. So if you're in sin, guess what? That gets magnified and highlighted. And because you don't have clean hands and a pure heart, and because you haven't been called to it, because you're not anointed, then that means you're not covered by God and, be, and you're not gonna be protected. Do not defile the cost that Global River has paid for the worship that we have in this house. A cost, a mighty high cost has been paid for the worship that we have here. And I am humbled to be here. I have learned so much by just watching Mary Esther and Teresa. And the first time I saw you flag B, oh my goodness, I thought I want to be like them. I want to be free like they are. How do I get free? And then it began. I was in the back. I think I was Hold on, I need some water. How's my time? How's my time? All right. All right, hold on. Let me, yep, yep, okay, yep. All right, we're good. Okay, so I'm in back. We've been going here a few months. I think I've done a little woo. Um, and then <laughs> he said, I want you to go up front and I want you to face plant in front of everybody. And I went, what? You want me to what? I can worship you just the same in the back as I can up there on the front my butt crack could hang out. Like that's literally the number one thing that I was worried about was my butt crack showing in front of everyone. And I couldn't get the picture out of my head. I was like, these pants are kind of, you know, they make pants a little weird now. And then 
So, <laughs> but I knew, I knew it was him. I knew he was asking me to do this and I did. So I came up and I face planted right in this area and I wept in a way I'd never wept because the spirit of God fell on me and I knew, I knew he was pleased and I knew that I was getting delivered. I knew that the spirit was working within me and that was the first taste that I had. I tasted and I saw that the Lord is good in a way that I'd never experienced before because I yielded to his invitation. When you yield to his invitations, your life changes. The first instance that we see of a worship leader is David for Saul, yes. And he was leading Saul in deliverance. So when we come into a place of worship, you get free. But you only get free if you yield. So it started with that. Michael Thornton was here and the whole Thornton clan and we had, um, uh, anyway, um, Karina was, whoo, and all of a sudden, as every single time, he started asking me to do different things, each, each worship set, and I was, um, and it was weird. It didn't make sense to my natural mind um, at all. And I remember the first time I didn't obey. I remember the first time that I didn't yield because he spoke so clearly what he was doing in the room. And I thought, I'm just a baby. I've only been here for a few months. How am I supposed to know what you're doing in this room? What's going on? What's going on? No, I'm not gonna do that. And he wanted me to go to Richard, or not Richard, but to Michael Thornton and to give him a word. And I was like, I, what? I, no. And then Karina came up and she spoke exactly what the spirit had told me. And then Michael Thornton confirmed it and I, remember how that felt. One, it wasn't that I didn't, they didn't know that I knew, it had nothing to do with that. It was that I wasn't obedient. And the feeling that I disappointed him because I wasn't obedient in what he was asking me to do. And that changed my whole life. Then it was being obedient in everything. When you're at the grocery store and he says, I want you to go tell her that she's beautiful. When you're at the grocery store and you say, I want you to go let her know that I see her and that she's grieving and that her heart's going to be healed. When you go give somebody a hug, when you, it doesn't matter what you do, starting to praise him in the morning. I learned that from Gary. Thank you, Gary. Um, you start to praise him and worship him in everything that you do from those little moments of obedience it bleeds into everything. It bleeds into a lifestyle. And then pretty soon you realize I was created to worship. I've been bound my whole life. I've been bound by the lies of the enemy my whole life. I was created to live this way and I never knew it. I never knew it. He starts with something so small. And in those obediences, you find out who you actually are and you cannot give him. And the Jesus tense, I'm so grateful for this house and, and, and just the experiences that we had. I didn't know what it was like to worship at two o'clock in the morning. I thought people were crazy. What are you doing worshiping at two o'clock in the morning? You like the burn at 1 a.m.? You prefer the burn at 3 a.m.? What is wrong with you people? I would much rather be sleeping. And then we were in Greenville and we were camping and we got up in the middle of the night and I went, 
Oh. <laughs> oh, it's just us and him. And it changed everything. And then you realized worship's so much bigger than the house of God. He can actually anoint any dwelling where he's being worshiped. And then I went, I want my home to feel like this tent. I want my home to be a place where he dwells. And so we started worshiping him in our home like we'd never done before because I wanted there to be a well that we could drink from all the time. I wanted people to walk into my home and go, oh, the spirit of the God dwells here. Yeah, yeah, he does. And so we started sacrificing TV. We started sacrificing movies. We started sacrificing any, anything that we could really to spend more time with him. And then pretty soon our living room became a dwelling for the spirit. And then I realized we need to be able to take the spirit with us wherever we go. I want this environment wherever we go. And our brother Jason at that time, who's really good at having no dignity in worship, he'll do somersaults in the middle of VOA down an aisle and not care what people think. He's amazing. We, we learned a lot with him. We encouraged each other to do the weird things the Holy Spirit was prompting you to do that doesn't make any sense. So it's important to have brothers and sisters that encourage you to be obedient with what the Holy Spirit is doing and to go, we're not going to have dignity amongst each other. We're going to run after the Spirit because we're going to be set apart. We're going to look different than the teenagers of the world. We're going to look different than those 40 and over of the world. We're gonna look different. So encourage each other to step out in faith no matter how stupid you feel. In fact, the more dumb you feel, the more it's probably the Lord. Oh, the other thing too that he wanted me to let you guys know, this is not an altar. This is a platform. The altar is in your heart. The altar is wherever you go because he lives inside of you. You go there in the spirit. So those of you, again, that are thinking of being a worship leader, this is not the altar. You are. You are. So we get to go to Jesus' feet anytime we want to. We just have to go there in the spirit and we get to caress him. We get to love on him. We get to pour ourselves out on his feet any moment that we want because we're the altar. Flagging and dancing. Here's the other thing. Everyone's expression of worship is going to look different because we're all different. We're all different sizes and shapes and colors and some have better balance than others and it's all gonna look different. I'm barefoot all the time. Um, I would be barefoot 
out there if the ground was heavenly ground. Um, but that's something that he gave me. I remember being in the Baptist church as a teenager when I knew that the Lord was good and true, but I was a rebellious little turd that didn't want to have anything to do with him. So I was fighting him with everything that I had, and I didn't like being at the Baptist church because it was very religious, and you were in your pews. And I remember thinking, this is, I remember thinking then, this is not what worship is supposed to look like. And I wanted to be barefoot. The Lord brought this to my memory the other day, and I was like, whoa, wow. You were even showing me what my kind of worship was back then. And then when I got saved at 22, and I was on fire for him for a short time, and then I fell away, and I went back into the world. Actually, I never left the world. Um, I, I was on like that new new salvation high, but I had no foundation. So I immediately just, once things went um, right back into what I knew, which was everything of the world. Um, but when we went back, Daniel went to church for those three weeks, and then we went back, and it was the first time I ever remember really experiencing going someplace in worship because the lights were dark. And I remember thinking, I want to take my boots and shoes off. And it was Alaska, and everybody wears their shoes, and it just, I, I never, I thought, if it's holy ground, we're supposed to be barefoot. So that's my expression. I'm just always going to be barefoot. Um, and not everybody's a flagger, and not everybody is anointed to blow the shofar. You must be called and anointed to blow the shofar. You can't just buy one and blow it and expect the glory to fall. You must be anointed for the shofar. Um, you must be anointed for flags and you must be anointed for dance. And you, that may not be your full-time expression of worship, but he will call you and anoint you at certain times to utilize those expressions. Costa Rica, I'm not a flagger, but we got a vision, it's a long story, we knew we were supposed to bring flags. We got to Costa Rica, and when I got my hand, and I knew that we were supposed to worship, and we were supposed to take that atmosphere and make it ours, and I was supposed to use flags. And Amy, I believe you were using flags too, girl. Sarah was. And for the first two or three hours we were there, we worshiped, and I felt the anointing. There was nobody. We were all in our own little zone just worshiping, but I felt the anointing fall on me with those flags. And I thought, oh, okay, well, now that I am anointed with flags, let's bring them into the church. And I whacked Pastor Willie on the back of the head because it was a tiny little church. There was no anointing. I was not supposed to flag inside that church. It was for when we first got there to take ground and to make that atmosphere our own. The reason why we had to do that, one, that's where we were all staying, and two, because we were going to end up doing prayer ministries there, and there was going to be massive deliverance. So the Lord was having us take that ground before that happened. But so I was anointed for that time. I was not anointed a few days later inside the church. So you'll learn, you'll learn. And at least I tried it. At least I knew. Now I know what one feels like versus the other. And then dance. I love what they do. But I remember thinking, ah, mm -mm. 
Mm -mm, that is not for me. I'm like the epitome of an 80s white girl dancer, which is not a good dancer. So I knew that I was never, ever going to be a worship dancer. And then the Lord gave me this song, Promised Land. And I listened to that song in the privacy of my own home. And I felt something rise up in me that I didn't know was there. And I knew that I had a giant that I had been trying to kill for a few years. And I knew that this I was supposed to be a part of something that I didn't want to be a part of. And I was like, that's really weird. I think I'm just supposed to do this in my living room. And then I gave the song to Mary Esther. And she's like, we're supposed to do a dance over this. I think you're supposed to be in it. Deanna's supposed to be in it. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Cool. I get to go through deliverance and face a giant in front of everybody, which is, for some reason he just keeps doing that in front of people. It's so fun. Um, so that was another act of worship because that was total obedience. And I knew that I was supposed to be a part of that. And I know that fruit came from that. And so thank you. Um, again, that's not my full-time expression, but he will call you to do that. And then he'll ask you to do really weird things. Some of us are really uncomfortable with intimate moments with him. Do you know that when you're in an intimate moment with the Father, it's like making love to your spouse? It's so intimate. It's so touching and that no one's allowed to enter that space, not even your spouse. There's always something that you hold back for you and the Lord, always. That's really hard for me because I want to share everything with my best friend. It's really hard to hold that stuff back. But then you get a taste of that intimacy with him and you go, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's for you and me. He'll ask us to do things sometimes and he wants me to share this and I don't understand why. But I didn't know I was a daughter yet. It was a couple years ago and I I knew what the word said. I I knew I knew I was supposed to feel like a daughter. I knew I was supposed to feel like a child of God, but I, I didn't. I had such a spirit of rejection that just hindered that from really setting in. And then I listened to a testimony of somebody who was struggling with the same thing and they said, what made it different for you? And she said, I chose to believe. I chose to believe that his word was true for me. And so I had a choice to make and I chose to believe that I was his daughter and that I was his child. And then in my living room, very late at night, he invited me to dance. And I felt so foolish because I thought, that's really weird. <laughs> you want me to dance with you? And he showed me a picture of this little girl resting her head on her father's chest. And he was leading her in the square because my living room was really small. And so by faith, I closed my eyes 
and I accepted my father's hands and I laid my head on his chest and I let him lead me in the square and I became his daughter that day. And does it make sense in the natural? No. Did I feel foolish at first? Yes. But it broke something wide open in me and I entered into a new level of intimacy with him. And then I knew we're only going to worship him as deep as we allow ourselves to. We have to get out of the way so that the spirit of God will lead us to worship him in spirit and in truth. And truth means You're not a spectator. You're giving him all that you have in that moment. You may not agree with the song. You may not like the song. You may not like the lights down. It doesn't matter. You worship him. I think that's all I have. I'm sorry. I went over my time a little bit. But I pray that you guys get something out of that. love all the different expressions of how God's operating. Well, Amy's, um, I want to just share something about Amy. When we went to Costa Rica, we had our team that was there and, and uh, our church in Costa Rica, Iglesia de la Costa. And um, Pastor Willie was up early. He was always cooking. <laughs> and I was the garbage man. And so I would take the garbage and you had to walk all the way down the hill uh, and in the morning, I'd get up early, bring the garbage out, and Willie's cooking, and I'd come out, and several mornings on the hill is Amy. In the early morning, just her and Jesus worshiping on the hill. And so I love what Alicia just shared. This is the platform, but the altars of our heart come together. All the altars come together on the platform and worship Him. That's why it can't be defiled. That's why this created place where we come together. And it's, it, it's inept. I've been waiting 23 years for us to have an expression of worship that we're starting to see. And so it's really, really special if we can just cultivate that. If you'll prepare your hearts in the morning before you come to church, you'll get there in that during the week. And so when you come on together and all the living stones come together, everything you want from church, healings, deliverance, all the expressions, when the living stones come together, God sovereignly will do it. So there's, there's that cost. So, Amy. Thank you, Pastor Tom. And thank you, guys. I was sitting back there, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to, like, recalibrate my whole brain because I'm so used to speaking to children. I'm always doing the children's ministry, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to talk to adults. Like, this kind of feels weird. But I do thank you for your time. Um, one of the things, whenever I'm given the opportunity to speak, I always like to start it with thanking everyone who's listening. Because there's one thing I'm very passionate about. It's time management and not wasting time. And I've been chewing on what to say for the past two weeks, asking God, Lord, I know it's going to be all different walks, all different ages. 
that I'm coming before to talk about worship. I have a very, very thin slot. Like Alicia said, it's, it's hard to imagine putting, defining worship in 15 minutes. But I thank you because everything I'm going to say, I truly hold with importance. And I thank you for listening and giving that little slice of time. When I was asking the Lord what I could possibly share about worship, I kept hearing one statement. Worship is a lifestyle. I was like, Lord, how do I break that down? Because that says everything and nothing all at the same time. It's a broad statement. So what does it mean for worship to be a lifestyle? Alicia was just talking a little bit about it. Worship is, number one, if you're taking notes, vertical. Vertical is up and down. It is our direct relationship with our creator. It might look in different ways. We might express it differently. Some of us might kneel in worship. Some of us might raise our hands. What are we doing? We're vertically connecting with us here to our Father, our Creator. There's a quote um, by a book I read um, in my college, actually. Um, and I wanted to share it here. I have the book in the back. It was by Glenn Myers. Um, we are not called simply to be saved. We are invited into a living, breathing, instant involvement with the Creator of the universe. So it's a beautiful... I want to read that again. We are not called simply to be saved. We're invited into a living, breathing, instant involvement with the creator of the universe. You see, I grew up in a Christian home, and my brother shared one of the first nights, and we didn't have that wild, rambunctious, kind of crazy, go out there, have, you know, try all the substances, try all the craziness testimony. And it's because we learned this one thing. We learned that worship was vertical. See, when I was a nine-year-old girl, I was going to church, and I knew who Jesus was. And I could answer all the Bible trivia, and I could get the candy, and I could quote John 3.16. But at home, I had a mother and a father who loved Jesus. And when my father would go to work, he worked hard so my mom could stay at home. And she would, I would love to wake up early and sneak and spy on my mom. Like, I, that was the sneakiest thing I could do, right? Smile on mom. And I would watch her as she would do devotions, as she was spread out the bills and she would pray and she would worship and she was making this vertical connection with her creator. And she was having this place of worship in her home. It was, it was singing. It was word. She was having this quiet, intimate place. And then one day she saw me and she, I was, she was asking me about church one day. She's like, Amy, what's your favorite part of going to church? I said, singing. I like the platform stuff. She said, Amy, go into your room, put on your music. And, and just have music yourself. Don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait for Wednesday. So as a nine-year-old girl, I got my little boom box. I put in a CD. We actually had tapes I was listening to then. I didn't have a cool iPod or anything like that. Or I didn't have a cell phone. And I plugged in. There was a song. It was a band, Ten Shuckle Shirt. <laughs> Daniel. I mean, I'm not that old. I'm totally 28. But... The song was called Poorest King. And the opening to that song was, this is my song to the poorest king who ever lived. Though he did nothing wrong, they took his crown and cast it down. Yet little did they know it was meant to be, so I might be with him. And as that song was playing... I suddenly had a shift, and I began to connect vertically, and I said, wait a second. 
what is this saying? And I opened up my Bible and I read the account of the crucifixion of Jesus and I got saved and I got downloaded with a revelation of the creator God after listening to a worship song. Why? Because in that moment, my worship became, oh, sorry, kids ministry has to have a visual here, vertical, where I was planted on the rock of Christ. I had established my salvation. And from that moment onward, at nine years old, I realized that worship was more than singing a song and it was more than clapping my hands and it was more than being able to quote Bible verses. But I had finally found a savior. And in a moment's time, I knew, I knew, I knew at nine years old, I wasn't worthy. I hadn't screwed around and done things at nine years old. I was a kid, but I knew I didn't deserve what he went through. And I poured out and I cried and I said, you are the poorest king that ever lived and you died for me. And I made a connection vertically. Very shortly thereafter, at 10 years old, I wanted to play the piano. I wanted to be a concert pianist. I wanted to be awesome. I wanted to be the best I could be at the piano. That was my goal. And I began pouring into piano playing and pouring into piano playing. And I began to worship to it. And slowly it became a lifestyle. When I was anxious, I would begin to play the piano because suddenly this peace would come. And I was aligning vertically with this God, this creator, who was, wait a second, I don't feel this anxiety anymore. I'm not fighting this depression. I'm not fighting this anger because I began aligning with my feet planted on the solid rock of Christ and saying, okay, wait, worship is powerful. It's a conduit. It's like plugging in my charger for my phone. I get electricity with the God of heaven and my life begins to change. So now you're fast forwarding and I keep doing it more and more and more. And suddenly I'm outside and I'm swinging and I'm just swinging with my brother and I start singing a song that my mom was singing in the house because she had vertical worship. And we're just singing, who do you say I am? Some say Elijah, some say John. Who do you say I am? And the chorus goes, you are the Christ, the Son of God. As soon as I released those words in my backyard, the power of God fell. I got off the swing. I hit my knees. I had a vision of the feet of Jesus. My brother heard words from the Lord. He ran, mommy, mommy, mommy. Why? Because I knew Worship was more than just a song at church on Sunday at that moment. I got saved. I got a vertical relationship. And so wait a second. Why? Why are we talking for a month about worship? Because we are literally in worship, connecting with our creator and saying, I will worship you. I will honor you because you give me life. You give me freedom. Everything I need is in you. Because of the vertical relationship I have in worship, I can go to Food Lion and I can go to my coworker and say, no, I won't have a one night stand. No, I'm not high. I have Jesus. I don't want it. I can have a pure testimony because I know the power of a lifestyle of worship. It is so much more than a song. I will tell you when I was a child and I learned this aspect of worship being vertical, one of the biggest convictions for me. Worship is a lifestyle I live every day. I go into my psychiatrist's office. I put on a quiet Christian instrumental music. And he comes up to me and he goes, Amy, I like that music. And he goes back to his office and I'm like, because it's Jesus we're releasing. But one of the biggest convictions for me, and Alicia mentioned it, worshiping in spirit and in truth because when I had this download and I began to go, okay, I'm having this vertical connection and then something started to shift and I began realizing, wait a second, vertical worship started going sideways 
I started going horizontal. I started going horizontal. And I began having this relationship. And I realized that, wait a second, when you connect vertically, it starts going horizontally. Because as he flows through you as that conduit, and you connect with the God of heaven, it begins to release outward into your family and into your life, and it becomes a ministry. What I didn't realize is that my mom's lifestyle vertically was also transforming us horizontally to her children. So for all you mamas and grandmothers and those who have children, I encourage you, when you worship vertically and you release horizontally, you're bringing Christ into your home. You're bringing the cross into your home. You're bringing Christ-likeness. The biggest conviction... I mentioned it several times now, but I didn't tell you what it was. In worshiping in truth, when you connect, and I realize, God, when I'm living a lifestyle of worship, so whether I'm in my car praising you to worship music, whether I'm a food line in the freezer, and everyone else cusses and swears, and that is the pit of misery that everyone hates, and I play worship music in there, and that's where I go to have my Jesus time, and I establish vertical worship and connect with my creator, I do not want to stand before God saying, this is my lifestyle here, and I'll mean those words there and in the freezer and all that. And when I get on the platform and I'm here and I'm playing and I'm playing music, I do not want to stand before the throne of God having sung a single word that I didn't mean. Because his word says that we sing in truth. So when we sing vertically, what do we do? Because <laughs> when you go horizontal, let me explain it this way. When you're a worship leader, sometimes you're asked to sing songs you hate. <laughs> you do. And it's like, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do when that song is just terrible and I cannot connect? What do I do when that is not the style and I want to I shift it here because you have your vertical, you and God. And when you get to this place that Alicia alluded to, it, it's a little different. When you're here and you're trying to go horizontal and you say, okay, Lord, I want to flow between what I'm hearing with you and what I can release to others. <laughs> when you sing it in truth, you lock to the truth of the words. So when we're worshiping and you're struggling to worship, and you want to connect vertically and you just can't, connect to the truth of what you're singing. Honor those who you're with. Honor the body. There are so many times that I've gone, God, I really don't like this song, but the truth of it is, you're my refuge. You are my rock. I am a friend of God. Whatever it might be, lock and hold to that truth. That is one of the biggest convictions when worshiping vertically Hold to the truth. That comes from John 4 when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. We worship in spirit and in truth. When we're talking about horizontal worship, like Alicia said, it's very humbling. And you have to surrender as a worship leader. You literally, when I worship, for the church, when I worship elsewhere, when I worship at home, I always imagine this cross. So, Lord, I want to connect with you vertically, but I also have to connect horizontally and say, God, I surrender whatever it looks like to flow 
flow through me. I want to ask you a question, and I want to present this to you, because I know I need to pass it off in a moment. Have you ever been in a church service where the worship leader is going, and they just go right to the throne of God, and everyone else is, like, completely lost? The only person in the room is a worship leader who's getting to Jesus. And a lot of those times, if you look, they've tapped into their vertical, but they're not really sync horizontal. Burns are designed for this. Your whole purpose for 24-hour, 24-7 prayer, there are certain meetings designed just for vertical. And that's their whole purpose. As a worship leader, our goal And one of our goals is to say, okay, I'm going to connect with you, but also release to the body horizontally. So there are differences. There are differences. And it's a conviction I have as well. When you stand, you're doing vertical. And when you shift as a worship leader and you're horizontal, one of the biggest convictions is, Lord, I worship for an audience of one to release whatever you want and surrender to the body If that means surrender to where everyone always says, Amy, we want you on the Nord, and my heart will 100% want to be there, I'll surrender, and I'll worship at the Nord, and I'll release whatever they want, because it's an act of surrender. What I'm hoping to communicate and articulate is that worship is a vertical relationship, and it does go out to others at all walks of life, whether you're home whether you're raising your children, whether you're trying this walk like I was and you start out as a kid and you're just, most of your relationship's vertical or whether you're starting to move and say, okay, wait, it's starting to shift and I'm starting to get vertical and it's starting to go outward horizontally. And I think maybe it's time, you know, I, I'm, I think the Lord is calling me more for like a worship leader role. Wherever you're at, I just want to encourage you to seek the Lord for balance in that cross. I've been in college for five years now. I'm almost graduating. And one of the most impacting questions my professor asked me, because he taught me this. He said, it's vertical and horizontal, Amy. And in front of our whole class, we had to talk about what our cross looked like. He said, is it balanced? Is it crooked? Where do you need to straighten lines? Do you give too much this way and spend no time this way? Or do you spend all your time in your own little bubble to where you don't touch anyone else? So I'd like to encourage you with that as I transition, because when we worship, when we come to the house of God, remember, we plug in vertically and then seek the Lord for how we're supposed to do it and the timing to do horizontally, to minister and release that worship, because it's a lifestyle. We live, yes, 100% for him and his focus, but we also live to pour out as his body to surrender in that posture of the cross for others. Amen. Mary Esther. In order for us to, uh, to go deeper in this, uh, it would be really awesome if people would get to church on time. I'm trying to be serious right now. Um, and when you come here, Hey, Joe, how are you? We're in the middle of worship. Go to the cafe and, and do that there. I'm, I'm not trying to be critical, but we're trying to set a moment, right? We're trying. There are people that, well, I, I don't like all the worships too long. 
so I come 20 minutes late. The worship's not for you. Well, I don't like the songs. It's not for you. <laughs> so if we could set the atmosphere of preparation, can you imagine, remember when the, they couldn't worship, the, 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 the presence was so strong that the, the priests couldn't, they couldn't stand? <laughs> That's where, we're, that's where we're going. And so if we can all kind of cooperate in that and just prepare your hearts before. I know what it's like to try to get four kids ready to go to church. And you get there, it's like, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> I get it. But do your best to get prepared. Do your fellowshipping outside there. Don't talk. Don't get your cell phones out in the back and do all your texting while worship's going on. Anyway. Amen. <laughs> Hello, my name is Mary Esther Burcham. I'm leader of Spirit and Truth Prophetic Worship Ministry. And everything that all the people have been saying is so awesome and incredible. But here's your chance to put it into practice. So we have a song, and we have three different parts. And everybody can be in at least well one part. Everybody can be in a part. So we're going to have a dancing part, we're going to have a flag part, and then we're going to have a congregational hand motions part. So everybody can be a part in it. So for the dancing part, it's going to be very slow and simple, so it'll be easy to follow along with. You can just stand behind me, and you're just going to follow what I do. And then for the flag part, you're going to go over here and choose a flag. We have big ones. We have small ones. We have all different kinds of things. And um, be, if you could please be kind of like the leader to help them get their flags. And then we'll, at the very end is going to be the hand motions. And people that are watching online, you can stand and do it in your living room with us. Um, I felt like the Lord said that someone's going to be healed tonight as they're worshiping. And I released my testimony that I was healed during worship. And I also felt like there was somebody that have a situation that is um, a tangled up mess. And it seems impossible to you. But the Lord says, as you lift your hands tonight, if you give it to him, then he's going to make the crooked places straight. And he's going to do it in a way that you couldn't figure it out, but he's going to do it for you. Uh, and I, I just wanted everybody to be able to have a feeling of what it feels like to corporately all together. We're all doing the same motions. And I just believe we're going to feel a very sweet and wonderful presence of the Lord tonight. And um, so just have fun. Wow. <laughs> Well, I want to thank everyone who brought such a wonderful expression of why we were created. I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do next, you know. So let's, let's just stand. I want to thank everyone. Lord, we thank you. Our desire is that Global River would be known as a place where God is worshipped, that he is honored, he is revered. So, Lord, I thank you, Father, that we would bring this new expression, the revelation of why we were created. We would bring it wherever we go, and you would be with us 24-7.
the revelation of your presence. And we thank you now. God bless you all. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for all you're sharing too.